0: So this morning, um, you all know that for the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at phrases from some of our most loved hymns and the way that those phrases can speak to us and and guide us. And today's phrase, uh, if you haven't figured it out already, is prone to wander. Isn't that a thought that accompanies us throughout the season of Lent. We remember those 40 days that Jesus spent in the wilderness when he was uh, tempted by the evil one, when he was tempted by Satan. And now during these 40 days of Lent, we are called to turn towards self-examination and reflection. We try to be more cognizant than ever during this time of our own bent, to sin, our own um, proneness to wander into temptation. Uh, So we let these phrases guide us during the season of Lent and this morning, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. And we remember, come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing God's grace. So maybe the season of Lent is that time for a tune-up, you know? Last week, Bob came to our house. Uh, Bob is our wonderful piano tuner. Maybe some of you use Bob as well. Somebody at the early service did. Uh, as the COVID cloud began to lift, we realized that we hadn't had our piano tuned in a while. And and so we were thinking, maybe maybe it's been a year and a half since we've had it tuned. And, and then we looked, and oh my goodness, it had been two and a half years since we had had it tuned. For a piano, heat and pressure and humidity and time all begin to wear on the the strings, pulling that note down to a flat or maybe even a whole note below where it's supposed to be. And the same is true for us. The pressure of life, the passing of time, the heat of emotion can become too much for us and bring us down. Surely we've all experienced some of that in the last two years the anxiety caused by COVID, the pressure cooker of our political environment right now, the, the heaviness, the, the heat of every ism and, and injustice that, that has been experienced, the tears that we have over the separation of our beloved United Methodist Church, and um, all of that, and the anguish of war, It can move us downward so that we get stuck, mired in sin. Paul names this reality for us in the letter to the Romans. Maybe you've read this passage already and are familiar with it, um, but I invite you to follow along with me now and, and perhaps you'll find yourself in it. Paul writes beginning with verse 15 in chapter 7. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good, meaning the law could help him stay in in line. But in fact, it is no longer I that do it, but it is the sin that dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good that I want. But the evil that I do not want is what I do. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but it is the sin that dwells in me, acknowledging this is bigger than me sometimes. So, I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inmost self, but I see in my members another law at at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, says Paul. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God and God's people say, Thanks be to God. Now let me invite you to bow your heads and pray with me this morning. God, as we worship you and as we listen for your word to each one of us, uh, we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. More than one person has looked at this section of scripture Paul's letter here and said that it sounds a lot like Alcoholics Anonymous. I'd probably agree. Hi, my name is Paul and I am a sinner. Hi, Paul. Paul says, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. And we can relate. We feel that kind of camaraderie with Paul in this. Paul who always is on the straight and narrow. Paul who, who often is quite demanding. Paul who seems sometimes even holier than thou. Appears here to be humble and vulnerable. I kind of think it's, it's comforting, you know. It's reassuring to know that, that Paul is broken and a failed person just like the rest of us, that Paul is, is flawed, he's marred. I still remember reading this part of Paul's letter. Maybe it was for the very first time, maybe it was the first time I really paid attention to it, but I was in high school and, and I really resonated with it. I thought, wow, you know, why can't I do the good that I want and, and instead I do the evil that I do not want? And if I thought that way then, how much more do I uh, resonate with those words now? How much more do they pierce me now? Now, there's a lot of controversy here about what Paul actually might be saying among the scholars. Um, is he speaking for himself? Is he really speaking in the first person and speaking for himself? Or is he speaking on behalf of all humankind, kind of the, the one does the good that one doesn't want to do and instead does what one hates? Is that how he's speaking? Or is he, uh, is he speaking about his life under the law as a Jew prior to coming to know Christ Or does he have these struggles as one who really lives their life in Christ, with Christ? He was certainly very self-assured about about how he lived under the law, really professing that he fulfilled it completely. And I tend to think that um, our sin is more clearly revealed to us as we see ourselves in the light of Christ. So, perhaps those of us who are in Christ struggle even more with sin because we are aware of that distance between who we are and who God wants us to be. But whether he's speaking for himself or for all humankind, he lays it all out in this passage, he bears it all when he's speaking. As hard as we might try, we cannot help ourselves. We know right and wrong and can clearly distinguish between the two. We know what to do and yet we just don't seem to be able to do it or at least not do it like we want to. When we read this, we also seem to think that the sum total of all of our individual acts is sin. But for Paul... Sin is bigger than just our bad behaviors or individual acts of commission or omission. It is those things and it is more. It is sin with a capital S, sin as a condition of our humanity. It is me, it is all of us distanced from God and trying to manage it on our own thinking that we can fix all that is wrong in our lives, thinking that we can justify ourselves. We tend to think that if we can simply be good enough or try hard enough or, or strive long enough that we can overcome our sin. But it, it doesn't work like that. Let's go back to the addiction analogy. At the beginning of an addiction... The person freely chooses a substance or action, but soon that addiction can control their entire lives, can control the individual whose life becomes driven by the need to get the next fix. In that case, the person has both succumbed to the actual addiction at one level and is completely overwhelmed by it at another. It is the sin that dwells within me, Paul writes, that controls me. And so we try to will ourselves not to sin. We grit our teeth and work harder and become more determined and steal our will against sin. It's exhausting. Because no matter how hard we try, we cannot deliver ourselves from this sin. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the Lord I love. The author says it twice because it's so true. That is sin. That's the condition that we are in, that's who we are. We can't deliver ourselves. Paul says, who can deliver me from this body of death? Who can deliver me from this sin? Wretched man that I am. And then he answers the question, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, the gap between our lives and Jesus' words and actions and being is, is this space that we desperately want bridged and yet it can only be bridged by Jesus Christ. In these short verses, Paul reminds us that doing the right thing apart from God's grace is a lost cause. We are prone to wander, and who can save us from that? Only Christ Jesus. Psalm 119.10 says this, With my whole heart I seek you, Do not let me stray from your commandments. So perhaps instead of trying harder not to stray from God's commandments, we should instead focus more on seeking God with our whole hearts. We don't have to try harder not to do this. Instead, we seek God with our whole heart. Remember that other stanza in the hymn? Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Now, maybe there are better images than being shackled or chained to God. In my reading this week, I was reminded of a couple of images that might be more helpful to us, more life-giving. Maybe it's more like an astronaut going out on a spacewalk and being tethered to the mothership so that that astronaut does not wander off or float off, but instead is still always connected so that he or she will not be lost in space. Or maybe instead of being shackled with chains, we are connected with something more like an umbilical cord, the vital cord that that connects that fragile fetus with the, the nourishment and the life that is needed. In that same way, we are connected with a God, with that cord to a God, who gives us life and nourishment and breath. That's what it means to bind our wandering heart to God. Reverend Jan Richardson, who I mentioned as the uh, wonderful artist who painted these paintings, um, and the ones over there on the wall as well, she has a blog called The Painted Prayer Book. And she tells a story um, that she wrote a few years ago that kind of sheds light on this. She writes... In a church that my sweetheart Gary attends, there is a young young man who has a syndrome that affects his cognitive abilities. Among the challenges this poses, both for him and for those around him, is that he doesn't always make good choices for himself, and this has sometimes made his road pretty rough. At a recent worship service in which we celebrated the ordination of one of the church's pastors, this young man was among those who spoke. It's sometimes difficult to follow the thread of what he's saying, but I found myself struck when he said that the newly ordained pastor helped him to understand how God wants us to make things easier for ourselves and not harder. I commented on it to Gary afterward, how, how those particular words had, had constellated like a divine passage, a divine message amid his somewhat disjointed words. Yeah, Gary said, I've learned to pay attention when he talks. That kind of stuff happens with him a lot. Jan went on to say that those words, make things easier, not harder, haunted her for weeks, make things easier, not harder. As a result, she found herself chewing on Jesus' words to his followers. Come to me, all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jan goes on to say, I have to say that it's, been, it's long been a challenge for me to buy into this notion that Jesus' yoke is easy and his burden is light. I've seen lots of evidence that suggests the contrary. Haven't we? But I wonder if much of the heaviness, difficulty, and exhaustion that we experience in ourselves and that we witness in others comes from because we are making our own darn way and making it difficult rather than tending our connection with the one who wants to make the way for us, to walk alongside us. I wonder if perhaps what Jesus Christ meant is not that walking with him is uncomplicated, but rather that when we focus on our relationship with him, the road opens before us with less resistance take my heart. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. That's my prayer for me, for us. That's our prayer because Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest Rest from working so hard, rest from striving so much. Rest from all of that pressure because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Paul says, who will save us from our wanderings? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray together. Oh God, each one of us here experiences on a daily basis that inclination that we have to wander, that temptation to sin. And we know that sin is simply a part of our human condition, but oh God, you bridge that gap between who we are and who we can become. So help us, give us the strength to leave behind our strivings, our strainings, and instead to focus on our relationship with you so that we will be yoked to you so that we will be tied to you like an infant tied to their mother, that we might receive nourishment and breath and life to be your children, O God. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen.